Boy, and then you got to listen to an old preacher. What kind of day is this? <clears throat> I hope it goes better the rest of your day. Would you turn in your scriptures, if you have them with you, please, to the 10th chapter of Luke. And I'm going to be speaking this morning, this morning on something that's very fundamental. I mean very fundamental. And it may not have a big impact on your life this morning. I may not say something that you have not heard before. But I'm going to say something this morning that you need to say to yourself every day. It's that fundamental to your spiritual growth. Starting with verse 17. <clears throat> and the 70, remember last week we talked about the, uh, he sent 70 disciples out. Some manuscripts have 72. Some of the ancient manuscripts do. Sent them out in order to heal people, to cast out demons, and to preach the word of God. Now they're going to return to him, and this is his accountability. This is, this is their accountability. They're going to come back and see, tell them how they did. The 70 returned with joy, saying, <clears throat> Lord, and you got to get this, these are just like little kids. For the first time, they are discovering their spiritual power. They've never had any before. Do you remember what it was like the first time you knew you had a prayer answered? The, the first time you knew that God had used you for something. I mean, it was, and this is how they are. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I give you authority to tread upon the serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And at that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and the intelligent, and didst reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for it was thus well-pleasing in thy sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I say to you, Many prophets and kings wished to see the things which you see, and they did not see them. And to hear the things that you hear, and they did not hear them. We're going to talk about the difference this morning between learning and revelation. Between what can be discovered and what is disclosed. There's an eminent historian named Gerald Walsh, and he wrote in one of his books that for the first Four centuries of the Christian era. It took the first four centuries, I'm sorry, to, for people to discover that without revelation, that neither the Greek passion for logic and truth, nor the Roman genius for law and order, could build a satisfactory culture, culture or a stable civilization. In other words, people have been trying for all the centuries to build something man-made that was both satisfying and stable. And we're still trying to do that today. 
And let me tell you something. America does not even come close to have the passion for learning that the Greeks did. For logic and philosophy. For analytical thinking. America does not come close to be a country of laws like the Roman laws. To have a respect for authority like the Roman authority. But yet, they could not build, neither of them could build a satisfactory culture. Why not? Because we are made for something besides what we can think of ourselves. Now, what qualifies us to receive this? Only that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only qualification we need. Now, there are a lot of things that detour us from receiving a revelation, or revelation is simply something revealed by God directly. Something that has been given to us by God directly. Does not come through our own reasoning or thought process. Some things detour us from it. First of all, earthly thinking. You know, we, now, let me get this, let me just tell you this right up front. I'm not against earthly thinking. As a matter of fact, I think the smarter you are, the more you will eventually, the more likely you are eventually to end up with God. Because I think the smartest people are the, are the people who know the limitations of earthly thinking. But I know there's a pattern to earthly thinking. And the pattern is that we can discover anything we need to. That there are layers of reality. And if we learn enough, and if we go deep enough, then we will discover a satisfactory life. We were discussing last night at the, at the uh, progressive dinner about the advance of, of technology. It's just phenomenal these days. I made an appointment with somebody that they were standing on the street and we made an appointment. He punched me into his watch. I thought, what are you doing? He goes, I'm making our appointment here. I'm my watch. I'm going, good grief. You know, it was just, I go, what? I want one of those. No. I, I, but, you know, and I think it's neat. I think all of this technology is neat. But I'm wondering whether it leads us to the illusion that technology or technical learning is real learning. The Bible says it's not. The Bible says that, that when it comes to the depth of the meaning of life, that's only revealed by God. Now, God is revealed through a natural um, revelation. You know, you can't look at nature and think, you can't possibly think that this all just happened. I mean, I challenge you to study evolution. I challenge you. And if you think that all just happened, if, you, if I challenge you to, to, to go into any field where they are now making tremendous discoveries. Joe, did you, did you read in the paper about the stream of, of gases that they believe is, is, you know, 10 light years long? that is feeding the black hole from which they believe we came from. I mean, come on. I mean, if it's really there, how did it get there? Well, we just had a stream of gases that just happened to feed the black hole that gives us our universe life and, and symmetry and so on and so forth. Just happened to happen. Come on. You really have to be a person of faith not to believe in God after you've, after you've really studied the sciences. So there's a revelation in Romans 1.20. It clearly says God has given them all a clear indication that he's alive from the world he's made. You can look at the world and just assume it. And most people do. And then there are special revelations. Special ones that teach you something specific 
that come directly from God. Now, here's where we get in trouble. The disciples came back and said, this is great. We can cast out demons. We got, you know, it's like the beach, you know. We got stuff here. We got power. And it's almost like, teach us more. We want to have more power. And Jesus saw what was happening. They were going to get into the technicalities of the faith. They were going to want to trace down ways that they could be more powerful instead of ways that they could be more connected to the source of their power. And so Jesus said this, while you were out there, I saw Satan falling from heaven. Now, for those of you, let me just teach you something here about Scripture. <clears throat> for those of you who want to know the origin of Satan, it is, it is alluded to uh, a couple of times in Scripture. In, in um, Isaiah 14, um, I tell you what, just turn to Isaiah 14. I got the time if you got the time. <clears throat> Starting with verse 12. Written to a Babylonian king, but alluding to the fall of Satan. But you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. See, Satan started out in heaven. And then he got proud and he tried to take God's place. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly and the resources of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. So Satan began... <clears throat> as an angel who tried to become more powerful than God or like God. Nevertheless, the Bible says, you will be thrust down to Sheol, which is hell, to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you saying, is this the man who made the heavens tremble? Who made the earth tremble? Who shook the kingdoms? Now there's also another illusion in, in um, uh, Revelation 12, uh, 7 through 9. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, let's turn back there because I'm, I'm going to come to there. Revelation 12, 7 through 9. If you don't have your scriptures, I'll just read it to you. <clears throat> Pardon me. There it is. Now watch, because this refers to the next passage. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And then, um, well, I'll give you the next passage in a minute. So, in other words, there is a process here that reoccurs. <clears throat> Thanks, Jim. That reoccurs, and Satan tries to get powerful... And he keeps getting thrown down. And so Christ said, I saw you when you were out there casting out demons. And I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Just a replay, videotape replay. Let's see that play again. Just keeps happening again and again and again and again. Now watch. <clears throat> he says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And over the power of the enemy... And nothing shall injure you. Now let me just say to you here. Every once in a while you will read in the paper. How somebody got invited to the church. To a church. It's usually a little backwards church up in the hills of some place. And they got 
you know, they took out a snake and went ah, like that. And it's like, see, I'm, you know, more powerful than God just saved me from this. And they've dropped down dead or whatever. Um, or sometimes they live. I don't know. But they take this passage and the passage at the end of Mark and think that that's what they're supposed to do. They have completely misread scripture. This isn't a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. If you'll return to uh, uh, Revelation 12, you will see that Satan is called the serpent. And so guess what demons would be called? Serpents. <clears throat> That's a, 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 an axiom for the name of Satan. And as for scorpion, if you will turn to the ninth uh, chapter of Revelation, you will see a description of locusts that are coming out of the pit. <clears throat> and it has this description. And they have tails and they have tails like scorpions and stings, and in their tail is the power to hurt men for five months. <clears throat> now, where did you ever get a figure, a time, when men could be hurt for a certain length of time and no more? That's not, those are not literal scorpions. That is a figure of what is going to happen to people spiritually. That is the time that they're going to have to go through. The next verse, And they have as king over them the angel of the abyss... His name is in Hebrew, his name in Greek, and in both words for the destroyer. So what I'm trying to get you to see is that scorpions and serpents are, are, is the name given to demons. It's not literal scorpions and serpents. So if you get invited to the church and it has on the bottom of the, of the thing BYOS, don't go. It's not, don't, don't be doing that, you know. I read, it wasn't three weeks ago that this guy got a rattlesnake to bite him in this church, seeing if God would save him, and his mother made him go to the hospital, which I thought was kind of hilarious. And he finally died, and everybody was mad at him because, you know, he didn't trust God enough. That's not understanding Scripture. This is spiritual warfare. There is a realm of spiritual, of a spiritual world conducted above the physical world. And this is what Jesus was seeing, that, the, that, that that spiritual world was being damaged and could not damage the Christian. By the way, if you're a Christian, please do not be intimidated by Satan. He cannot harm you. His only power over you is the power of the bluff. If he comes to you and says, boy, you think this is tough, you're going to struggle your whole life like this. You might as well just give it up. That's a bluff. Scripture says, resist him and he'll flee from you. There is no such thing as Satan being able to make you do anything. If you do something, it's because you wanted to do something. It's not because the devil made you do it. There's no such thing. Because God has said, I have given you power over all of these spiritual beings. And they shall not be able to harm you. Nevertheless, he says, don't, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that you, your names are written in heaven. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about this. He's saying, I can see you getting off on the technicalities here. Christians are infamous for doing this. You know, they get and they write their little rules about what a Christian really is. And then they write their little rules about what a mature Christian really is. Of course, they always fit in and everybody else doesn't fit in. And then they get more and more technical. They believe spiritual maturity is, a, is getting more and more technical. But that's, that's the deal. That's not the deal. That misses the point altogether. How many demons you can cast out is not whether... You know, it has nothing to do with your spiritual maturity. 
That has nothing to do with how you, how you should be able to rejoice. Closeness to God should. When I was in college, they had a, uh, a course called The Bible is Literature. <clears throat> and, I, and, I, and I bet they still do, probably out at UCF. or They do at most colleges. I was not motivated to take that. Why? Because I knew it would miss the point. So you look at the Bible as poetry. So you look at the Bible as history. So you look at the Bible. doesn't touch the point. It's like offering a course, your spouse as protoplasm. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, technically, you're probably there, but misses the point, doesn't it? I mean, it's like sending a rose to the person you love and saying, this is a wonderful example of photosynthesis, you know? You've just missed a golden opportunity there, Jack. And come on. Technicalities are not where it's at. And technicalities destroy and divide. They really do. If you think spiritual depth comes from learning, you will notice that only learning, and there's nothing wrong, believe me, I am for learning. But you will notice that the more you learn, the more divided you come from everybody else. If you don't ask for revelation, because only revelation ties people together, learning divides people. Learning puts you in a cubicle. It's you know this and nobody else knows this. <clears throat> the way a lot of religions are built is that they're built for rescue of people who have gotten in trouble. But the way a lot of Christians grow is that they begin to harm the people in them by condemnation, by division, by somebody having to be more spiritually something or other than somebody else. At the same time, they preach rescue and love. Doesn't make any sense, does it? I read in a, in a, a paper this week <clears throat> about a pit bull that got crossed with, this is a joke, pit bull got crossed with, just so that you'd know to laugh, I'll tell you when. <laughs> Everybody's going, uh -uh, what's he? <clears throat> pit bull got crossed, crossed with Lassie, and the result is a, is a dog that'll bite your leg off and then run for help. <laughs> How many religions do you know like that? I mean, they make you feel worse and then they rescue you, you know? That's a bad system. That's a dumb system. That is not healthy. Revelation says, yes, you put an effort into learning. You put an effort into, um, you put an effort into reading. You put an effort into prayer. You put, you put some effort into this, but you pray that beyond anything you could learn as an individual, God will teach you. Because that is what's important. That God will teach you. Well, how does that happen? You're qualified just simply by being a Christian. How does it really happen, though? The way it happens is that we are humble enough to let God teach us. That we do not believe in the worldly way that we can discover everything by ourselves. That no matter how much we study, no matter how much we learn, it doesn't matter if you go to 15 seminaries. That without a, a revelation from God, without God actually being able to teach you something directly himself, you will be like the person in, in 2 Timothy 3, 7 where it says, and they are always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Always learning, never coming to a knowledge of the truth. The way, the only way to learn in a spiritual sense is to discover the difference between 
I'm sorry, to learn the difference between discovering and God disclosing. And to pray every day that God will disclose what he can. What he is ready to disclose in his timing because he's in control. You've got to learn, we have to learn, that we can't demand anything of God. That whatever he says is it, no matter what we say. And that's a tough thing for us to learn because we are people who basically have our world in control a lot of the time, or at least we like to. And we like to believe that we will decide what's spiritual truth and what isn't. We will decide what we believe and what we don't. Thank you very much. <clears throat> no. I, I heard a story once about Senator Everett, Everett Dirksen. Anybody old enough to remember him? He's a neat old guy, raspy voice, witty guy, loved him. And one, one day he was out on the campaign trail. And uh, he was giving a speech, and this young, bad mouth stood up in the crowd after he got done with his speech, and he said, Senator Dirksen, I would not vote for you if you were St. Peter. And Senator Dirksen looked at him, and in that old, raspy voice, he replied, Son, if I were St. Peter, you wouldn't be in my district. You see the difference between thinking that you're the one that do, that's doing the electing and getting into a realm where the other person is the one who's doing the electing. That's revelation. When you can come to Scripture and you can look at God and say, God, I can study this until literally hell freezes over and I'm not going to understand it unless you teach me. Unless you are the one who puts the truth in my heart. And when Rick was singing Through the Eyes of Love this morning, and he was teaching, he was, he was singing to us about being able to see ourselves as what God has made us. That's a big part of being able to receive revelation. You know, a lot of us will not allow God to speak to us because we literally don't think we're worthy. We don't think we're good enough. All those other people are good enough. I'm not good enough. All those other people know how to hear you personally. I don't know how to hear you personally. That's one thing about God's revelation that is different than human knowledge. Human knowledge depends upon a certain prerequisite understanding. It you know, when you, used to, when, we, when you went to college, there were prerequisites you had to take before you could take a certain course. And it's a stair-step knowledge. God's revelation does not require that. It is available to individuals as they are ready to receive it, as God is ready to give it. It is that simple. And part of it is being able to know that God can and wants to teach you in a way that's not just a technical way. Let me tell you a story. <clears throat> when a young missionary went to China. He went, I'm trying to remember, um, went to a certain mission that was an orphanage. And he was all zealous, you know, zealous for the Lord. And they wanted just to spread the gospel. Had more zeal than wisdom. Decided he'd check up on the other missionaries there. So he sat down with his little Chinese girl. And he took her in his arms. He knew to do that much. 
And he said, have you heard the gospel? And she looked at him, <laughs> and with all of the understanding that he didn't have yet, she said, no, I haven't heard it, but I've seen it. She had seen the lives of the people that had took her in and that had loved her and cared for her. She had seen Christ in their behavior, in their attitude, in their understanding. And it made all of those little four spiritual laws booklets superfluous. Now there's nothing, there's nothing wrong at all with vocalizing the gospel. But revelation does not come from human understanding. It comes from God giving you an understanding of what your position is. It comes from people being connected with people. That's what it comes from. And so as we pray for revelation, we need to understand that it might not be something that God is trying to teach us. It might be some attitude God is trying to give us. It might be some connectedness that we should have that we don't have already. In my last church, there was a kind of a pitiful soul who had been uh, up to a certain time in her, her life. She had had everything. I mean, she was young. She was beautiful. She was smart. She was married, had a wonderful husband, had children. She had everything going for her. At a certain time in her life, she developed a brain tumor. And they had to go in, and this was a long time ago, and scrape that tumor out of there, and they did some damage while they were in there, and the tumor had done some damage. And it took her a long time to recuperate, and after she recuperated, she wasn't fully recuperated. During that time, her husband left her. He just said, can't do this. I'm out of here. He took the kids. You can't take care of the kids? I'm taking them. She was completely and totally alone. And after that time, she wasn't very pretty to look at, and she wasn't very pretty to talk to. You know, she just kept repeating herself over and over again, but she needed attention so badly. And so she would go from person to person in the church, and she'd tell the story all over again about how she used to be young and beautiful, and she used to be smart, and she used to have a husband, and she used to have children, and she didn't have them anymore. But it was because she was sick and because she had a brain operation. And she would tell you about that operation over and over again. And it wasn't a very pleasant thing to walk in the church and have Wilma Dean come up to you because you knew you'd be there for hours until you could back out and be almost impolite. And she couldn't help it and you couldn't help it, so you tried to avoid her. I mean, that's just something you eventually tried to do. Where's Wilma Dean going to be? I'm going to go the other direction because I've got stuff to accomplish. Well, one of the Sunday school teachers named Bob walked into the building one Sunday. He was late for class, and Wilberdine clamped onto him. said, Bob, have I told you about what it used to be like for me? And Bob, of course, is thinking, oh, golly, you know, I've got to get to class. I, you know, I've got all this stuff to do, but he wanted to be polite, so he's standing, so he's kind of backing up a little. And she's you know, just going on into the whole story again. And as he was telling me this later, he could hardly talk. He said, at one point, my feet just stopped. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Bob, this is your sister. 
And I filled up with love for this woman. I cannot describe how I knew that she belonged. She belonged here, no matter who she was, no matter what her past was, no matter how obnoxious she was, she belonged. And I just reached out and I hugged her and I loved her. And every Sunday since then, I have looked forward to hearing Wilmadine's story. That's the kind of revelation I'm talking about. It's not technical. It's relational. It doesn't just teach you about another person, though. It teaches you about who God is and about who you are. Every day when you pick up your Bible, you need to pray for that kind of revelation. You need to be able to say, God, don't make me smarter than anybody else. Just make me a little bit more like you. Let me think a little bit more like you think and love a little bit more like you love. That's all I want. If you do that, you can rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We're going to take a little time now just to pray and to ask God to begin this day to ask him to begin to real, reveal things to us, reveal his nature, reveal who we are supernaturally so that never again do we have to go to those scriptures and try to dig something out in our own intelligence. Let me invite you to pray during this time. During this time, God may reveal someone to you that you want to pray for. He may reveal to you something about yourself that you need to pray about. If you have never accepted Christ, and so you don't have that relationship with God, you can have that this morning. You simply need to say, I've been separated and I don't want to be anymore. Through Jesus Christ, I come to you, and I'm going to let you make of my life whatever you want. As usual, if you can pray better on your knees... Here it is. If you want to stay in the pew, that's great. But let's just go to the Father. 